Hi. It's the intro. <laughs> it's, I was like, oh, okay, I'm on Twitch and it's like lagging. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Lady Blair Sings the Blues. So glad to have you guys with us here this Sunday morning. Um, on my left, possibly my right, we have <laughs> sometimes me. On my left, possibly my right, we have Prowess the Testament. And I am so excited for this episode because we are finally all three back together. Hi, hello, greetings. We've missed all of our faces. I've missed all of our faces. Um, so let us know how your week is going. I'm sure V will have that Metrometer posted. Um, but I always start, and I feel like we haven't heard from Prowess in forever. So Prowess, no. you want to start us off no. with how you yes. um of my week. Thank you so much. I love the vibes uh, this morning. It's it seems peaceful after such continued haunting traumas that we've had. Um, let me start out by saying to everybody, happy Sunday. I'm excited to be back. Um, you know, Lady Blurs is my my home, and I'm you know, home is where the heart is. So I never really was away because you know, when I could tune in, I tuned in. And um, but yeah, I I'm happy to be uh, with my sisters again. And and even though we're not in the same physical space, we are always in um, the same spiritual and emotional space of holding holding room for each other. So. Anyway, with that being said, uh, yeah, like, I'm happy to be back. Um, there is uh, so much I feel like that is happening and has been happening. Um, I was kind of out of commission for a little while uh, in prep for um, my day job uh, in trying to, I guess, change the world, <laughs> to, uh, literally and figuratively at times, um, at our annual symposium in Puerto Rico. Um, and... Uh, just really enjoying, I think, what that means to bring forth that community of, uh, I work for an organization that supports uh, Chicanos, Hispanics, and Native Americans in their uh, STEM journeys uh, from uh, academic to professional careers. And so it's really exciting to see all of these students that had free travel and hotel stay to come to Puerto Rico um, and, and really get a chance to be in a gathering with their peers and see traditional uh, penba and salsa and uh, to see a round dance which is a, a Native American uh, a dance of celebration and uh, um, it just was it was a moment it was a lot of tears and I think a lot of a sense of belonging for for not just students but for the staff and our, our leaders and all of that was really really uh, transformative and um, yeah, and then kind of during that time, hearing about the loss right after a takeoff was really hard. And uh, from Migos, um, whether or not you were a fan or, uh, but most people, most people were familiar with Quavo and and um, and Takeoff and and uh, and uh, help, help me uh, Offset. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, most most people are familiar with their work in some way or another. It's all over the charts. Um, and they were such a, you know, kind of grounding group for, uh, for in, in the hip hop space. So that really saddened me. Um, and then, you know, 
just kind of continued, I think, grief we've had with, I won't even mention, obviously our backgrounds are reflective of the loss that has happened yesterday with Jason David Frank, um, potentially, uh, allegedly. We don't have full confirmation from the family yet, but sounds like there's some friends and his uh, agent that have confirmed the news. And so, um, yeah, untimely passing is never nice. And we've had that three weeks in a row with Kevin Conroy and now this, and then of course the shooting in um, Colorado Springs yesterday, which just also hurts me um, that we are still um, uh, under attack in this country for our beliefs and our lifestyles. And it's just, you know, with the awakening of Trump being released back on Twitter yesterday, um, and then personally saying, oh, not so fast, I don't wanna be on your platform, thank goodness. But, you know, needless to say, it, it immediately awakened this kind of experience again. And it, it breaks my heart to even, you know, yes, the loss of any life is, but these mass shootings, and killings, just someone attending a, a nightclub and enjoying their lives in that space makes me feel so privileged and honored to you walk out of the door, you never know if you're gonna make it back home. So I hope that everybody takes some time to prioritize, you know, self-care and, and practice whatever um, need for, for mental healing and emotional healing. Um, yeah, and let this, if this is a community for you to share, you know, uh, V always makes it democratic and allows people to share their thoughts. And I love that. Uh, whatever you're feeling, say it and, you know, feel comfortable to share those things here. Yeah, so I don't that... want to accidentally, you know, turn Hauser Week into a gimmick, but truly, that's why we ask. Um, we truly want to make sure that we allow some space for not us to just use this platform for us to speak on whatever we need to speak on, but also to allow you to, you know, air out things that have been bothering you. Um, and so hopefully you feel that um, with a little vulnerability comes with healing. And that's what we ask for, um, or what we hope for, hope for as a community. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very much feeling pretty low energy my energy's been kind of off this week uh because mm -hmm. of the circumstances of what's been happening um especially with the twitter debacle i've been a twitter user for like since 2012 and it's just really heartbreaking to see the things that people will you know thrive in their hate and we'll find things, ways to kind of discombobulate the community, divide us all instead of keeping us unified through peace and love. Um, yeah. A funny thing that I saw that was interesting, speaking of like social media developments, is that Facebook sent me a notification of like things that they were going to remove off of uh, personal profiles, and two of those things were religion and political um, preference. And as much as, you know, anybody who's trying to be agnostic and like, you know, all lives matter about things, I used to keep on that since 2009 that my religious views are peace and that my, or sorry, my religious views were love and that my political stance was peace. So that way, like, when folks would see it, they would be like, oh, okay, so she just wants to make sure that she's like community driven or whatever. And that was like my intention behind it when I was like, mm -hmm. when I was like younger. 
now is just the obvious like you know we've talked on this podcast about being very like intentional about how you navigate yourself and so meaning like making sure that the things that you do how does that not only impact you but how does that impact the people around you and so if you do things like vote against you know abortion rights and are were part of the party that was for the Roe v. Wade overturn that's feels like more of a selfish thing because that's not considering all of the harm, all of the physical uh, abuse, all of the psychological abuse that women or those who are capable of childbearing, um, like it's not considering what their needs are. It's just literally considering what I felt was like selfish being like, well, all children deserve to live, but then we live in a country that doesn't even like follow suit with, um, applying our tax dollars to community support and mothers like there's like a lot of like scrambling with nonprofits who have to do those things and not our direct government who even like supports those families so it's just thinking about things like that which is kind of like a whole like overtone of like what's been going on like what i've been kind of seeing where it's like there's enabling of different things and so like i just I get really frustrated. It's just like really frustrating and heartbreaking like to see that there was a whole thing, God forsake that, I need to find a nickname because I don't even want to say his name on the podcast, but the person who basically terrorized our country for four years and called himself a leader since 2016. Like to hear that they were, that Twitter was trying to give him a platform again, like broke me because I was like, it's not just him. It's the things that he stands for and the violence that was incited because of the things that he said and he led people who were very emotionally, um, not vulnerable, easily manipulated and to hate. And so like that four years made, did not make me feel safe. I think I vented enough on this podcast about how that did not make me feel safe when he was in office. Cause I was like navigating cautiously. I was like, I could just walk into a room and someone has an epic problem with me because of my presentation. Like it's just, it's just the whole thing. So I was feeling some type of way like, while I was watching that kind of fall apart. I know I've had some friends who said like, I don't understand why you're still on Twitter. Or I had friends who were just like, I'm just gonna get off Twitter because like this is not what you, what we stand for and this is not a healthy environment. And people are looking into alternatives for their social media fix, which I think is reasonable. I even like reactivated my <laughs> Tumblr account just to see what's good. <laughs> Um, and, and I'm also looking to other things to like join because like, you know, right now Discord's a pretty much booming community based thing. Um, I have folks that I can, you know, chat things up with on MacFest Slack. Like I just, I don't feel like I need Twitter, but it just sucks that I feel like I work so hard on it that it just feels bad that like a segment of my work has to be dropped because of I'm not a believer in the current leadership situation right now. So before I keep venting, I need to let Kylie have some space. Um, I know you said that you kind of had a wild week. Um, was that do you just explaining your week or do you want to go a little bit more thoroughly or just talk on to whatever we're saying? Yeah, no, um, I think there were uh, many kind of emotional lessons that I went through this week around um, what it means to inherit something that is not pristine. Right, I talked a lot about working on uh, my house and uh, the various stages that it's gone through um, and being able to ask for help and then actually receive help 
But for me, this week was a lot about being comfortable, being vulnerable in a more like realistic sense of like actually letting people come in and help me, actually letting people look at the, the pain because it's extremely painful. That house has so much history and um, seeing some of that reflected in the, in the faces of people that come help and understanding secondary trauma and seeing um, the realization, uh, especially as a woman of color, as a black woman, um, a lot of the times the people who do have the time and the resources to help me um, are not going to be necessarily people that are in my community. Um, so like the people that came to help me, I gotta give shout outs to Bayokio. Uh, they came from Oakland, so they traveled three hours and, you know, set up and was like, holy crap, uh, like this is a lot, but we will help you and started carrying junk out and started making plans to be like, okay, like, yeah, we'll come and spend a few weekends getting your vision together and making it a space where you can be creative and you can be artistic and you can thrive and other artists can come here and be artistic. And um, like really having people support your vision um, and like really having this community. So like, I'm so grateful to this platform um, to have like my sisterhood, to have ease, to have prowess because I did grow up very isolated. So this experience of having community is still new to me. Like I've had community in, in various ways, in more overarching cultural ways of like, okay, like if you're coming from Hawaii, like there's certain things that you learn, um, like being a part of a halal or being part of like a, a paddling club or outrigger club, right? But if you are still of multiple identities, like I'm not necessarily taking and carrying my black trauma into those particular spaces. Those, those particular spaces have their own traumas that um, also get carried through in learning those traditions and learning the language and learning, you know, um, what it means to you know build a canoe and work as a crew. Like it's all tied together in like a very human experience. But every community has their own different sets of trauma and sometimes I feel as someone who is part of many communities and carrying many different forms uh, of generational traumas and cultural histories, sometimes it can feel overwhelming and my coping mechanism has been to separate them. And now I'm at an age where I can finally have the support to kind of melt those things together. So this week has been a lot about um, kind of solidifying for myself what my vision is for the future and the fact that it, it is okay to share and let people in and still know that like your value and worth is not necessarily always tied to where you started, but it is like the energy that you put in to clean it up and to build something better, not just for yourself, but for the people around you. Like you're saying, like it's a community effort and we should um, all be intentional about how we move and create together. So that, that has been like the lesson of my week and it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, first of all, super happy to see that the Bay of Youth crew came to your house. Yay. Your Yay. house has been a whole ass project. If folks are not following Kylie on social media, she will um, 
show you all the shit that she has to do to this house to make it livable um, oh and to repair it and he to heal it because the house has also endured some trauma <laughs> um, awesome so let's go ahead and um, you know bring about a minor coin I know I've been using a lot of uh, sounds this morning but it's just I think the the mood this morning has just been really um, low and I think and, and we're allowed to have that we're allowed to have that um, so um, yeah let's go ahead and um, I guess talk about some stuff right uh, we do have a power with some encouraged segment uh, we wanted to kind of address some uh, generational disconnect because we've been feeling it the last couple of weeks um, just the lack of empathy I guess is what I'm and I'm speaking biased because I am feeling the lack of empathy from my elders. Um, yeah. And I'm sure, Kylie, you have had plenty of experience with the lack of empathy from your elders. Um, but Pete, what's your what's your thoughts? Oh, are you with us? Are you muted? Are you a mutant? I'm sorry. Are you, are you muted? <laughs> yes. I'm muted. Sniffle a little bit without distracting from uh, both of you and the powerful statements that you both said. So, uh, yeah, I think in interracial, uh, intergenerational conflict of any sort, it really does uh, sort of get sweeped under the table. Um, I, I have often navigated that, right? I feel like most people, for an introduction to that is in the home or, you know, with family. Um, and then oftentimes it happens in school um, because there is clash that perennial clashes between, you know, more experienced elders, the whole idea of school, especially once you get to high school and above, I feel like is really much more experience uh, with elders of some sort. The newcomers it's the idea of the labeling around like how you call people a freshman and a sophomore and a the whole idea of that creates intergenerational conflict and you know just people that believe that life stage and position is a predictor of your behavior um then more so just the person that you are um it makes it hard and i think for a time there were a lot of millennials that changed the um changed the temperature of that a little bit because it was technology did um, kind of change how how we communicated with each other. Um, and that might have meant in, a, in the, the late 2000s um, that a lot of people were like their elders boss. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of experience in that. I've managed most people that I've managed or teams that I've led have all been elder employees. Um, and teaching them sometimes, you know, you, I, I've heard, I've, I've, I've shared this with uh, Sister V, but you always have to be the person that teaches them about new technology, you know, how to use Sprout Social, how to use, you know, whatever, whatever technology it is, um, how to use Discord at work. Oh my, we want to turn this document into, take it from a PDF to a Word document. We don't know how to do that. Um, it's very much, it becomes very much that, but then there's also the idea, right, of like, as you're teaching, um, there's not an acceptance, I think, or an appreciation sometimes for that, what a different approach. First of all, the stereotypes against young people, because it is oftentimes what you, you know, you, ha there's biases against younger leaders um, and younger ages, um, and that 
comes from a lot of the times how people are oriented and you know how they sometimes if they have siblings or where they fall in that order um because are they used to being the person that has to organize and develop things for younger siblings to benefit from are they the person that's the benefactor or beneficiary rather of are they the benefactor or the beneficiary of um you know are they receiving things as they're they're turned down to you and i think it's just sometimes it it starts to get so heavy and weigh on you when you're trying to just figure out like how can we all value the interpersonal relationships and the the creative and um, you know sort of oriented uh, innovative things that people bring to the table no matter their age, um, and how do you you know get connected again and how do we and still be you know millennials happen to be very boldly honest and passionate and are willing to stand up for things they believe in. That is a that is a culture shift that is not the the generations of our past and so it's really being able to understand right that that our our forefathers may not have been able to do that our ancestors foremothers may not have been able to do that um and so it's you know understanding that the the generations have kind of created a safe space and adapted to an environment now but we still have a lot of baby boomers that are our parents and our uncles and our aunts and our and our in between, um, our neighbors, um, and how you know our roommates, our confidants, our friends, and I like to say that right. If we can have more generational diversity in our friendships, I think it makes a big difference. Um, it's I am, so I'm, hard. Yeah. It's yeah. so hard. If you don't mind me just stepping, please into jump that. in. Like, yes, yeah, please. I, I think there's a thing and I've caught myself doing this a little bit too which I've mm -hmm. learned to just you know take it a notch down um <laughs> that with younger folks they don't want to hear what you got to say that is may influence their experience they're going to want to do what they want to do and and so it's also with that, I've also been kind of burned by being friends with folks who are younger to kind of start tapping into that side where there's lots of that the, the teeter-totter that I'm kind of working with right now is like I have some folks that I know who are in their like early 20s, freshly 19, going into 20, and it's just because of like the music community that we're in, right? Like the music community is going to have a well diversity of different musicians of different ages. So like I'm always going to run into like the the prodigy 16 year old who knows how to play an instrument really well or i'm going to run into the 22 year old who has it all together has a branding has a thing you know and and it looks like that they have it all together but and then so like sometimes it's hard for me to be friends with those younger folks because they're very hungry for their their um stance and also i have also learned that they will try to see how they can tap into their older friend groups and again this is just where I've been burned of like trying to take advantage of getting assets or getting like even things like alcohol for their younger friends and so like I have to be very like cautious about how much what does that my friendship mean does that mean like we're homies and we're just kicking it out my house and we're just like watching tv or we're just like doing some music or is it like a professional relationship uh, where it's like, yeah, we play in the same bands. We'll call each other if we need a sub, you know, all that. 
stuff where so that way I understand what the dynamic is because I learned that making friendships getting older that there's a sense of assessing and filtering on like okay what is the benefit of having this relationship um so that's that side of things I'm not saying like I got burned and I got like in big trouble but I have noticed that folks will try to pull something on me when I've made it very clear like I do not like this because you're this age and this age is related to this legal law. Like that's how I kind of feel about that. Whereas older folks, like I will talk and try to have conversations with them, but they take it as an opportunity of lecture, an opportunity to tell me what to do, an opportunity to not hear what I'm saying, but to listen to what they're saying, kind of like a way that they want to model, but necessarily I may not want to model after what they're doing. Like I remember a woman who just had several marriages and was getting into relationship for relationship and saying like what it is but like the way that she was doing it was not how i wanted to do it i don't want to get married multiple times i don't want to have kids with all these different partners um that's not something for me um if that's something for her she she can have that i don't judge her for that because i know like having children is a complicated thing all in itself so like i know it's there's lots of things that it's a beautiful thing, but there's like lots of things that can be convoluted with that. Um, but she was trying to like say on me, like that is something that you should do too. And I'm like, mm, no, no. So um, <laughs> that's not for me. And so, but like, I feel that anytime I would con like respectfully contest, like with what these folks are saying, that they don't want to hear it. It's their way or no way. Um, and so that's how, I have trouble with relating to folks, folks, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I also have like, it, like sometimes I'll have like small tense tensions between folks who are like my age as well. Um, so it's not a perfect story where I'm like, I'm only friends with millennials and we're all vibing out together. You know, it's not like a perfect world either, but I do feel that there's a little bit more empathy of like what we're all going to. So for example, like Kylie, when you're talking about your story with your house, you told me about your house, you giving me the story. I've even offered a couple of times to be like, let me know when I can come over and help you clean. Um, and then you're like, yeah, I'll let you know, because I also understand, like, I, I'm not just going to show up at your house, even though you'd welcome it. I'm just not going to show up. <laughs> I want you to plan. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also like literally been a safety issue of like, okay, I have to clean it to a point where it is safe for yeah. other people to come and help. And so when people walk in and they're like, oh my god this is so much and i'm like no you guys don't understand like this is like part three of cleaning and this is the stage where it's safe for me to have friends actually help and not like professionals or just no one because it's so dangerous like it and it, there's so many things that like come with being a homeowner that now you have to think about but like i never thought about before in terms of like insurance and in terms of like literal safety and like if I want to, you know, work on my front yard and I have a like an extension cord, and I'm vacuuming something that's like on the sidewalk, now I have to be conscientious of the fact that like my extension cord is running from my house onto public property. Oh, if totally. Trips on that cord, like if someone trips in my yard, if like you know, and so there's like all of these things, like if a railing breaks, like uh, there's liabilities, and I'm just like, uh, 
Why? For why? Yeah. The adulting. Yeah. The absolute adulting. But, um, but be, beyond, like, my personal experience, like, with my family and home. Do you mind if I, I tie do, the bow? On yeah. What I'm saying? Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, like, tangled, and then I was trying to, like, solidify it. So I apologize. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I guess what I was just trying to say is, like, yeah, there's more empathy, but, like, at least, like, you know, I feel like if I were to tell an older person, like, hey, please don't come over, like, they'd be like, well, what's wrong? And then it just like snaps into judgment. And if I tell a younger person like, hey, don't come over, they'll be like, oh, well, maybe you just live with a bunch of roommates and like you actually don't own your own house. So you look incapable. And so like, I have a lot of intrusive thoughts with like those two sides of things because I've seen like the patterns of behavior. But if I tell a friend of mine who's my age being like, hey, my house isn't quite suitable for you to come over right now, but if you insist, I just want to give you a heads up, like, this is where it's at. And then a lot of the times, like, oh, I get it. I don't even own a house. So, like, <laughs> so it's just, like, one of those things, like, just remembering, like, kind of going back into your being and remembering, like, where pe folks are at. But the general dis generational disconnect is what I'm trying to say is, like, I, like, the other generations, I have a lack of trust because, like, right now, as as a millennial, we don't have the things that we were promised. And then the younger kids that do have the things that they have, it's because that their parents see what the millennials are struggling with. So the parents are trying to give more resources for those younger folks. So like, I feel like we're kind of in like an in-between where it's like, what the fuck did we do? Like we were kicked out of the nest at 18. We were told to survive. We're trying to survive. And now where's my safety net? Because now I'm viewed as a bad person if I don't, if I try to tap into that safety net. So anywho, please Kylie, take the floor. <laughs> no, I was, um, just because my experience with multiple like generations, either older and younger has been so varied. I have many good friends who are like of grandparents age and parental age um, that we communicate very well with one another and there doesn't seem to be an issue of disrespect but then there are some people who are older that assume because they're older that they can just be disrespectful like they have the higher are, ground yeah like they're they're entitled to be disrespectful and um I was like that does that doesn't work with me on several different levels I think coming from the standpoint of having to be the parent as a young age um and having to have that logical talk and then it's become more of a an assessment for each individual just on an individual basis where you are mentally and emotionally and that will determine whether or not we can be friends and so now it's like age has less to do with it but there i really don't appreciate when there are conflicts and people just try to sweep it under the rug and saying oh like that's just the generational difference i'm like no respect hasn't really changed that much in terms of having a conversation i was like that's just basic and especially as an adult like i'm 30 so why it's not like i'm 12 you know what i mean there are certain aspects where I can understand, like if you are an adult and you are speaking to a literal child that you know does not have the capacity to actually understand beyond their own sense of reality and um, information that they have, processes of way of thinking, 
like, sure, you may not take as much validity from a 12 year old, or you will have to consider their age and consider what they've been exposed to before moving onwards. But I feel like as an adult, that language should change. It's like, okay, so now you know that I also have had much life experience and probably more than most people, um, at least in this country. Yeah, um, I also think with the, the respect... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think with the respect thing, just to kind of tack on to that real quick, is that I don't like how if I feel liberated to speak up for myself that is considered disrespect and i get that from a lot of older women where it's like let me stand up for myself and say like this is what it is i'm trying to be respectful but you keep stomping on me like how do i it's literally like how do i get to give you honest authentic answers because i also feel that they want to hear the answer that they want that goes with their narrative and they necessarily don't, and this is like specific for women, like then they don't want to hear the answer that actually liberates me so I can have a chance at learning on what the fuck is going on. Yes. Yeah. That's a deep that's one of the deep ones. And I feel like I don't I don't know if there's even an answer. It is a V sometimes puts the onus back on I think the elder person though to be able to understand like you have to look at things from a different lens um you know I oftentimes kind of try to ask like I understand that I feel like we we have a bit of bias because we are we are in the age where you can where we were empowered to be more flexible and question things around us and and use those uh inquiries to make you know sense of the world because if a lot of the times our parents were handed down trauma and, and unfortunately just had to deal with the traumas that were were given to them and didn't have the same ability to have that inquiry of like well but why is this and even i empower my son to do that but i realized that um, it is a, you know, as my, my parents comment on my parenting all the time, it's like, that's that new age parenting. We don't, I don't ask why, you know, um, I don't allow people to ask me why. And, but at the same time, I want him to understand from his lens. And sometimes he offers me that like, Hey mom, you know, today kids don't, we don't really like when you do this, you know, or this, and, and he will pose it to me as like, today's kids don't. And I think it's funny sometimes when he's saying that, but I do try to hold space for him to, to either educate him or edify him on why, you know, something is important, but I don't take the voice away. You know, it's like, I want you to remain to have that. Yes. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's like, I get that that is seen as being new age, which is sad. <laughs> I feel like a lot of my problem was that I was not taken care of by my elders. And so, the automatic respect that's tied to age doesn't necessarily exist with mm -hmm. me. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people have that experience of, especially in our generation, we have to think of, well, like my reference here is America. So it's like my parents' age, you know, that was the eighties. That was, you know, the crack pandemic, especially in my area. So, you know, you had a whole generation of people that were not capable of actually providing um, shelter and taking care of the basic needs 
So my generation or those of us that were affected in that way really had to figure out how to survive those conditions. And mm -hmm. when you do that, and when you are placed in a position of making life or death decisions for yourself at such a young age, it doesn't lend credibility. Age is not going to be the factor that gives credibility. Your ability to actually follow through, your ability to show me um, the work. It's like, you're gonna have to prove things to me in a real tangible way in order for me to lend credence to what you have to say. Um, and that's, you know, a relationship between generations that has to be worked on yeah. um, because you can't just be like, oh, I'm older and this is why. You can say learn from my life. You can say learn from my life lessons. You can say I went through this. I don't want you to go through this. And here are yeah. some ways that I think you could benefit. That's a whole other realm of thinking. Um, and that also comes with accountability. I think there's yeah. too many people that want respect without accountability. Yeah. 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 I, I grew up with being told I was wrong a lot. Um, and it didn't matter what came out of my mouth. I was just wrong. Um, I didn't really have a voice in the room. Even if my voice was summoned, it was still wrong. Um, sorry, I'm a little bit triggered by this, so I apologize. Trigger! Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, like, that's what it was. And, like, it didn't matter. Like, even if I was like, hey, I don't think you should do that. I was, like, punished for even, like, speaking up and just in, in like, in hoping that for, like, the, the folks that I was addressing that to, to be safer. Like, I just want you to be safer. And so um, I think that's what kind of contributes to a lot of, like, my apprehensiveness now. Um, which, you know, with a lot of the disconnect and a lot of the the things that we're kind of experiencing, whether like professionally or like even be in behind closed doors with our families, like it's it's one of those things that where was I going with this? It's like it didn't matter like how things were said. It was just you're wrong. I'm right. You don't do that. You don't get to do this. I will I would have done it like this and it's like yeah because of that it I think it messed messed with like a lot of like how I talk and my speech and being apprehensive to say things and being like more of like a listener and I know Kylie you talked about like fawning before but like a little bit is fawning because I'm like trying to digest like what someone is saying because it's like is this is this what they're saying like is this trying to harm me or is this trying to hold me back from what I'm capable of doing? Um, and so, yeah, I think that's just some things that, like, I wish that the older folks would take accountability of. But I don't, I never hear apologies. I always hear, I see the performance of lack of apology because, I mean, at least be apologetic, like, being, like, you know, with being intentional, like, Sure, you set the intention of saying a thing a certain way because of your foundations and what you thought worked for you. You can own up to that and you can say, like, this is what I believe in. But also take the accountability that you may have hurt somebody and you've actually may have hurt somebody's development. And at least apologize being like, I didn't realize or 
I am so sorry that that the way that I came off or I'm sorry that, you know, the way that I've been treating you contributed to this and I didn't realize that that was going to be the thing. Like, I never hear any of those. I always get like, we can all laugh here about it, but like parents will give like a food, like they'll give you food. They'll try to like take you out for a drive, but like they think like their actions, and this is probably generational disconnect, their actions are the apology, but they'll never address the actual like elephant in the room. And that speaks louder for people than it ever does. And if they act like, oh, well, that's not the case. I'm like, no, no, no. You are also part of a generation that had to rely on politicians to make to make things and to make things right and to say things the correct way because you made those people accountable for the way that they said things. So like you have like words do matter. Mm -hmm. um, words do matter even if you like stumble on them. Like at least like there is the intention of you trying to make it right. And I don't ever see that. Yeah, I think that's the hardest part is that I did see a quote, uh, I don't know who it was that said it recently, but it was around learning how to forgive your parents um, and your elders, grandparents, uncles, aunts, whomever in your, the elders in your families, because oftentimes they have such unreconciled trauma and they didn't know it's um my my father always jokes when i say the word trauma he's like oh that's some new shit you know i what what is that like you don't really know what trauma is you know and i but without discounting that i just think that he yeah i don't you know the thing is is that there were people who laid their lives on the line for us in such a different way that their trauma is so much more mass they have have global trauma for the kind of bruises and 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 uh, you know the things that are left in remnants in, in their DNA for the the sacrifices that they made for us to have better experiences and so it's like you know better you do better but it's not everybody's capable of being able to do better and so sometimes it is forgiveness and radical forgiveness sometimes for those folks because they just don't know like I realize my father just does not understand that concept um and there is a level of for him that it, it even comes with being it's part of his black manhood it's the idea that like i if i was to validate trauma it would validate that i have some weakness in my dna and i'm not going to validate that i have to over uh achieve and outperform that trauma but without realizing that that's a symptom of trauma but it's just, you know, not he doesn't understand it. It's so deep that, you know, in that way. And the idea of therapy and being able to, you know, practice that early, practice, you know, mental health awareness and self-awareness early. Um, you know, that's just not something that's embedded. It's something I started with my son immediately at like eight years old. You know, let's let's get. We may not. We still are late. You know, because I should have started it at, at, in in utero, really. Yeah. You know, because it takes healing yourself, and then the child is then healed, right? It's like I still am healing. So how can you know I gave birth in trauma, um, and so I think there is it, it's so much. It's so deep and it's physiological. It's not just you know, it's not just the conflict that we have that's verbal and whatever else. It's like yeah, people. People die early because of people of color, women, right? They, a lot of the times are the holders of a lot of trauma and 
you know, die of diseases that are preventable, but oftentimes are stress induced. Um, it's just, it's sad for that reason. And even still, we still have a tough time trying to adapt to the new, for older, for older generations to adapt. Yeah. I mean, I love that we're like having this conversation and it's so personal to us. Um, but even just looking at the history of human beings and what the metrics are that we use to to say that we are an intellectual species that has dominion on this earth um, that is supposed to be highly evolved um, and yet we continue to perpetuate these behaviors yeah. that are self-destructive and um, they we don't learn. We, we have recorded history, we continue to lie through that history and we continue to act in ways that do not serve us as a whole. Um, we are so ankle biting <laughs> as as just a whole species. We do find beautiful pockets of community um, that continue to thrive, but in terms of just overall looking at the choices that we make, um, I think that's why internet is so important and why like platforms like Twitter are so important and why uh, conversations like the ones that we're having now are so important because it really does do a lot of that healing, which is to recognize that there's a problem. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I 100% agree with all of that. Um, yeah, so that's our take on generational disconnect. <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, I, I think that was just like really heavy. Whew. Um, thanks for that. So. Um, I don't think we have a call to action, but please correct me if I am wrong. If anybody wants to bring anything up because of the circumstances that happened today, um, I'm open to it. Or well, we should I'll be like, open to it, not just me. <laughs> we're all open to it. Uh, it is the season of giving, right? We are entering the, the high holy days um, so it's like give give where you can. It's getting cold outside, so people, if you are in areas that it snows um, and you have extra blankets or you have the capacity to donate, um, please find some local organizations um, that you can donate to. Like you will be saving someone's life. There's a lot of people out there that don't have shelter. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Tap into blanket. tap into your local nonprofits. Yeah. Make sure you tap yes. into your local nonprofits, especially your local nonprofits. Did I say local nonprofits? <laughs> I think you said local nonprofit. Like, don't profit. Like, hey, if I give something to help someone. Please don't yeah. profit off my generosity. What? Yeah. How rude is that? Like, I'm trying to help, and you're like, ooh, money, capital. Go. Take, take a sit down, capitalism. Go sit in your rude corner. Yeah. Or Scoop. city events. The city might host an event. So if there's a time to host a holiday community event that helps all and everyone, go check yeah. it out. Try not to give it the money directly, but like try to actually be there to do the work. 
Sorry, yes. we're bad advice. Uh, my bad advice. My bad advice. This is me. I'll take ownership on that. Uh, <laughs> but exactly. check out check out city your city events. Find your local nonprofit. See where you can help there, um, especially during this time of the holidays. Um, so let's go ahead and transition. Hey, how you doing, love, mama? Let me whisper in your ear. Tell you something that you might okay. like. Okay. Speaking of folks in need, um, supplemental income. Supplemental income. So, um, For the group, have we all had like a second job or a third job on top of our primary job, the one that makes us the money, but we also need other side hustles to make a little bit more money? More money. Raise your hand. More money. Raise your hand if you've done that. Yes, yes. Okay, we got it. Like, I'm the musician, and sometimes people ask me to design flyers and shit. Kylie has been above and beyond in the world right now she got her massage on but i'm sure she has had to do her different vendings mm-hmm. and all that stuff prowess here is a nonprofit professional but also a rap artist you got to make money doing in the addition rap to thing. a million other things i was gonna say like prowess the list is so long <laughs> the, the list is so long the list like, is so I'm long just a consultant of all things on the side i do grants and write uh, proposals and all kinds of stuff for STEM. So I just will say that oftentimes pays a lot of bills and I don't really have to tap into things because, you know, we're, it's such a need. I'll just say that, right? V just said it, support your local nonprofits. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so with that being all said, uh, we wanna just kind of lift some things up that happened in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, there was a couple who were teachers um apparently they got their their only fans on and they were asked even though they asked to leave in confidentiality their business was brought to the public um and you know the basically what i would watch from the videos of that woman she said like we were teachers or passionate about education but we couldn't make ends meet as a teacher, so we had to find other things to do to make that money. So Kylie, this was your, this is your subject. This was my subject. Um, and I thought it like kind of neatly tied into some other topics that we touched on earlier, just about like opinions and generational uh, like viewings and pressures. So this couple, they're teachers, and we know that in this country we don't pay our teachers enough to live <laughs> like, the way that they should. The way that they should. We know that the expectation is for teachers to also provide um, for their classroom. So it's not like the school has the support to create the environment. Like I know many teachers who bring their own supplies, who are purchasing and, and spending out of their pocket, and it's going right back into their students. And so really on top of not making much, they're paying to do their job. Um, and so OnlyFans, uh, as I won't say it's easy because it's still work and they were married, like in my understanding of their OnlyFans was like, it was them um, just within their marriage, making content. And for some people that is important, right? Some people who are out here being morality police um, are in the community talking about how it taints their children. I don't know how it taints your children. Also, your children are the results of sex. So, like, I don't... 
you can't like divorce you they're like ah no no we don't want people who are having sex to interact with our kids but like you have sex and interact with your children all the time i don't that think does... that parents also ritualize their sex the way that that they try to outline it like there's no i don't think there is a constant like here is a shrine we gotta pray we gotta do the thing and then have our kids in the most in the most um innocent way possible no y'all lying <laughs> lying absolutely lying you guys lying got down and dirty and homie did the grumpy or actually i think grumpy means poop my bad uh I, go I, on I why do hmm, you kill me all the time with <laughs> the grumpy the dumpties yeah <laughs> on that so it became like a community <laughs> disappointment they're like now wanting to shame this couple this couple now is not safe to leave their home because people are coming to them acting as if they are villains for trying to find ways to live that honestly don't affect anyone that's not looking for that service they took the precautions um which <laughs> precautions online, but yeah, you know, they took the precautions to edit their settings. So it's like, it wasn't even supposed to be uh, available and accessible to people in their community. Someone really had to dig for this. Mm -hmm. And if your child is on OnlyFans, this is also, I feel like a parental issue. Why does your child have access to OnlyFans? Right, right, Who, who right. runs to your kids? Because it wasn't the teachers. The teacher is not responsible. The teacher didn't download the app to your kid's phone. Um, Why does your kid have a phone? There's just a lot of questions where I was just like, Why <laughs> Not me being a millennial discriminating that parents shouldn't give their kids phones. <laughs> Sorry. Or, you know, like, um, I don't, you know. But you should be monitoring. Savvy person. <laughs> like, right? Like, they're, you can child, can you child proof a phone? All these little hacker yeah. genius children. Can you? I mean, look, as a parent, I feel like, yes, there is there's absolutely no such thing as monitoring and um, policing the internet. It is absolutely impossible. If Unless you are willing to commit to that as a full-time job, it doesn't matter what net nanny you have on your server. There is so many things that can creep in in an advertisement. And a, there's propaganda being served daily. You have to do your best to uh, educate and provide stable sort of information or um, whether that's fact checking with your kids, whether that's pulling up their browser history. And also at the same time, like why are your children even aware of what is happening on OnlyFans? Like that should be, you know, there was there was uh, things that wh while I didn't grow up in the era of social media, you know, there was certainly message boards and all other kinds of stuff that I could have went to. I knew better than to go to those things, but was it something that my parents could shield me from? No, there were people at school going to those things and sharing them, but I knew better, you know, than to, than to have that be in my household. And the thing is, is that it's sad because teachers have lives. They are human beings. They have, you know, whatever their needs, whatever their choices, all of those things do not impede uh, their process of being teachers unless they are physically or emotionally or mentally in some way a harm or danger to the community that they're serving. And by someone actually virtually 
performing acts online um, in a in a OnlyFans space that is technically moderated. They aren't doing this out on the street there where there's no uh, kind of functioning um, you know agents to look and see what they're doing. It's like it's you can see it. So the thing is is that I just don't understand why you're punished for things that you're doing in a platform that is for you to make you know extra income and for you to do whatever you want to your so your personal social media uh should not be you know on on display but they do sign you know the thing that i as much as people were fighting for kyrie irving and in, in the recent situation with him sharing the video he did sign um an agreement um and that suggested that's uh, anti you know not ethical or moral behavior and that uh, as an employee of certain organizations, you are required to abide by that employee handbook. And if it's outlined in the employee handbook for the state, you're an employee of the state, then you can't do certain things. Now, the flaw is to me is not with the school because they were just handing out the jurisdictional punishment, but it's like it's really with the law and whatever the employee guideline is that prevents teachers and any other employees of the state from living their personal lives online so, outside of you know there is a small wrench in the situation that yes, we have not I was gonna address that yeah wrench. <laughs> so the wrench is that they did they did record in a classroom yes. which <laughs> which they oh, should have fantasy baby no you cannot use the school for <laughs> a setup, a good background. It's giving... <laughs> nope. Nope. It shouldn't have happened. Someone saged the room. Uh, no. <laughs> so... That part. Yeah, that part. Is, that's, how, that's how the coach from the Celtics got fired. It wasn't that he just did this. It was who he did it, right? Like an employee. And then at the same time, on the, on the grounds, in the locker room, you cannot... You know that that's that's in the the handbook we all know. So it's just kind of like you got to be a little smarter with stuff. You had kept it online. It at least been an ethical dilemma, maybe that people could have considered. Maybe they just really needed that scenario where it was like the teacher, the teacher, like whatever scenario, <laughs> teacher on teacher. I'm gonna say teacher on teacher, which I I have a hunch that Pornhub will say otherwise. Uh, but. <laughs> Um, I think they just were, were looking for the scenario, but like they at least could have really like borrowed the desks the and I'm brought them back. Was... No, I'm hoping it was like a staff room situation. Like you guys are making Ooh. coffee. Ooh, a staff <laughs> room. About your favorite staff. and least favorite students. Lord, time so for I'm... some professional development. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're in a school. Why don't you build a school with my tongue? How's that lesson plan going? <laughs> Dead. Terrible. Um, the other thing I really kind of wanted to pick out of this story or this like experience of um, like your personal life being exposed in the crossover to your professional life and just us as women particularly, um, what is acceptable in like because our, I feel like our behaviors are more um, regulated than 
for men typically. It's like oh, you see men absolutely. getting away with a lot of behaviors in their personal life that like women would not. Um, what do you guys feel about professional opportunities being eliminated based off of like personal life choices that are for the most part typically private unless someone digs for them well uh first of all i run a podcast and the things i talk about on this podcast is not classroom friendly so i will start there we talk about uh critical race theory we talk about sexual like your sexuality we talk about all the things that make all of the parents clutch their pearls because they're like, that shouldn't be anywhere near my child. And me as a teacher, that used to be a teacher, luckily it was just for an after school program. Like that would not, I would assume that some of the things I would talk about would be problematic. We also use very vocal language here. So yeah, there's been some opportunities I've had to miss because I was a teacher and there was opportunities that I had to let go of because I'm a podcaster. Like, let's just start there. <laughs> um, <laughs> It sucks because like it's also the same thing with my Instagram too, right? Like sometimes I think about like, oh, I really want to get into modeling. Oh, I wanted to like, you know, maybe have a song that has some lyrics that are associated with sex. And like I often have held back <laughs> because I was an educational person. It's like basically being a nun sometimes where it's like you have to be really careful, but it, the, the, the monetary sacrifice isn't worth it. Like. And there is a whole great resignation with teachers. Like there are lots and lots of teachers that are like, I can't sustain myself anymore because I can't keep, because I'm not getting paid the way that I should. I went to school for four years. I did a two year credential. I did maybe some other stuff to like, you know, help, you know, fluff the degree. And yet I'm making less than 55K a year or I'm making less than 60K a year. And I wanna buy a house, I wanna start a family, I wanna do all the things that I should do after accomplishing such a great thing in education, but now it's not giving what I need. Like it, my, necessities, my, necess necessi my necessities are not being fulfilled. And so um, there's a huge great resignation. So now I'm seeing a lot of programs being like, ooh, housing for teachers. But some of the housing on teachers is still not like great because they're asking teachers to like, you know, house in dorms or have like a co-housing situation where they're housing with another teacher. No one wants to do that after school. People deserve to be, deserve to have the chance to decompress yeah. after their job. Like it could be decompressing and just literally like going into your house, taking all off taking off all your clothes and just maybe sitting on your couch naked and just being left the fuck alone because teachers need that space. Um, I'm not saying all teachers do that, but it's just an example of like let, allowing people to be liberated after their, their, um, their nine to fives or their nine to sevens, or even sometimes like sevens to, to 10 PM because you're a teacher sacrificing all these hours with grading papers, doing meetups with parents, doing all this shit, like with your other staffers. So all venting in that it's like, I think teachers deserve more liberation. And once they become a teacher, that liberation is a little bit stripped. Yeah. If there's a teacher who's listening to this, who feels otherwise, like I, I would love to hear you prove like, please, I always say this, like, please prove me wrong. And I'm not saying it as a, as a, an intimidation tactic. I really mean it. Like if you feel 100% liberated as a teacher 
in a district school that you're allowed to do whatever you want outside of hours that makes you feel like your authentic self without having to sacrifice because you're trying to keep it clean for the kids like I'd love to hear it and I'd love to hear your approaches on it because like I'm sure other teachers could use that but mm. as far as I know I know a lot of teachers that they don't they don't feel that they're always having to uh, filter 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 Absolutely. And I'd also like to take just one sentence to dismantle the idea behind um, if you were intelligent that you would find another way to make that money um, rather than turning to sex work. Um, Asia Carrera, I believe, is like the prime example. This woman's a genius, uh, you know, on record, on the books, genius played at Carnegie Hall, went to a very well-established um, university. I think it was like Rutgers, Rutgers, um, just off the top of my head, right? Um, it's not like I've done extensive research on this woman. Um, but uh, I mean, she has just has been like a shining example uh, against all of the arguments that sex workers are unintelligent. Um, and it's been proven time and time again that there are many geniuses in that field who are continuing to have lives after they get out what they want from that career um, and who will go on to establish homes and have children and have successful lives. This idea that once you do sex work, you are ruined um, is trash. It's utter trash. The fact that you think that someone doing sex work now disqualifies them from being able to interact with children, disqualifies them from having children, disqualifies them from being respected as parents, as spouses, as human beings, um, that whole concept needs to go. Yeah, there, there's a, it's not a documentary, but it's a, a series on Netflix called uh, Stripped, I believe, and it's uh, in four different cities, obviously Las Vegas being one of those cities, but it follows women across their uh, careers as uh, exotic dancers or adult entertainers of different, uh, different walks. But it's really interesting because there's so many, much of the women are um, university students, college students, um, getting degrees and everything. There's one woman who's getting like four or five degrees in chemistry and, and uh, physics and and um, but you know she has to pay her tuition on her own um, but it, it talks about sort of the toxic human resources environments even when they're trying to then um, you know sort of build their careers after they've they've completed degrees or and then sometimes for people who are like but I'm not I'm not getting a degree I just enjoy dancing I just enjoy this experience this for me is my dream job um, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? But the there's a little bit of a, a, a split between some of the women who are doing it for because they're college students trying to underwrite their their uh, their education, and then there's you know the women who are like, I don't do it for that. I just do it because I like this, and I feel powerful, and I'm independent, and I'm and I'm happy, and I'm empowered. Um, and you know just both of their their journeys on like oh yeah what's that like when you then finally go and there's like unwarranted um things that are happening in the hr environment when you're going into some of these corporate companies and some of the people have seen you you know they are uh 
have been to your club or they've, you know, especially in Las Vegas where it's just like, it's such on a bigger scale that they probably have seen you physically dance before and, or, and you have, you know, social media profiles for strippers, a whole different exotic dance or culture. And like, what do you do? You know, it's just, it's, it's shocking. But I, I was really enjoying the series. I don't know if it's still on, but it was on Netflix for a while. And there's, like I said, different cities, Miami, um, I think I saw one internationally, um, maybe in the UK or something, and then there's one in Las Vegas, but it's it's just interesting to see all the different things that you you think that, that people go through in those careers, but my goodness, it's so deep. I just wish that there was like more respect to folks who choose to do this side of work because they found a hustle that works for them. Also, the amount of, I don't want to speak for everyone, but the amount of like upkeep that these sex workers have to do to be appealing on screen, to be appealing on stage, to cater to their audience. Like, why are we acting like that they don't do the work for upkeep? Like, there was a woman who talked about dancing in the club where she got upset that uh, a couple that she was doing a dance for, like one girl just got completely wet on her boots and her boots just smelled super fragrant. Like she was pissed because she's like, yeah, I'm doing you a service, but I'm not asking you to like, like squirt all over my clothes. And now I have to like go home and like bleach the shit out of it. And she's like, well, and she would say like, I have to do all this, this and this and this to make sure I do my upkeep. But like there's a lack of regard from the audience versus there's more regard coming from the actual worker. Like, let's not get it twisted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <gasps> and it's just like it's a position that like requires you to wear so many hats just as a performer, because they're still performing. It's a performance. There's effort and energy and forethought that goes into it. Like nobody is paying. For nothing you know what I mean like it is work it's hard work uh but we just like on that pole please like the the oh, amount of the strength hours? the amount yeah, of strength hours. are you kidding me I feel like most of the hate comes from people who don't have the confidence in themselves mm-hmm. to just be comfortable in their own skin walking around and so they couldn't fathom someone being comfortable walking around naked and performing on stage or scantily clad and performing on stage and they just are dealing with so much internalized shame or camera um, yeah or camera i mean because that takes balls and vagina it takes vulva it takes a lot of vulva okay, it takes vulva. To be vulnerable on video reasonably <laughs> lubricated vulva yes thank you thank you it takes a lot of vulva to be on video and, and to do all of the things it takes um, ovaries because it's not the equivalent it takes of balls real ovaries yeah. so many eggs it takes butt. so many eggs yeah. to, to get up there there you have the huts but to put it on you but the the judge it takes more huts but a me to judge people in their walks of life whatever they are mind your mother business and find what makes you happy and brings you joy if you're looking at someone else and you have the time to judge, by the time you've already made that determination of what they are doing, you could you have wasted valuable time that you could have invested in finding your joy and your path. Leave people alone and let them live. Yes, yes. So uh, shame, shame the teachers who passed around those photos. 
let's shame the students who uh, let first of all got their hands on it and went out of their Fourth way to go. Or yeah, they went out of their way to go onto the app, went out of their way to register for a said app that you have to pay for. So what would their parents? You know, it's like the parents discovered. <laughs> After the kids paid for it, which is what happened, is like when I found that out, I'm like, so wait, you don't know what your kids are. I'm sorry. The whole what do they use? If you're gonna gather for, like a congregation, that. you gotta blame the congregation of who's the organizer of this congregation. <laughs> like, stop trying to like put the put the shame bell on this woman and and her husband because it's mostly targeted at this woman because we all we just talked about it. Like, women get we get put on the table first. When it comes to shame, never the dude. Even yeah, though he was right? supplemental and in this. those articles, like if you Googled her face, is her... front and center. Yes. I don't know what the husband looks like. Hell nah. But I know what she yeah. looks like. Wild. Hmm. That was the topic uh, for Nerdy and Dirty. It was another doozy. Thank y'all for rolling with us on that one. Okay, let's go ahead and move into our next segment here. Black Panther and God of War. I don't mean to keep beating the uh, the horse that is not dead yet. So like, <laughs> but I know this is, I do realize that this is week four of us talking about these two things because it is just that important. <laughs> yeah. Also, please don't beat your horses. <laughs> please do not beat that horse. Uh, but yeah, just, we wanted to do like a little mild review uh, about Black Panther and God of War. So. I don't mind starting the uh, Black Panther thing, but before we start, spoilers were, will occur. So if I see the viewer count go down, uh, reasonably so, because if you haven't seen this movie yet, I, I advise you to get off of this show and go see the damn movie. Get off here. We 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 love you and we appreciate your support, but you need to do yeah. You need to go home. Things you need to go to your local AMC yes. <laughs> and bring your tissues. Bring bring your tissues, wear your wear your swag, get the drip, do the thing. Yes. Yeah. Sneak in your candy to the theaters because twelve dollar popcorn. What am I? Please Lord. don't sneak in your oxtails. Like the, those are messy. Just be reasonable. Yes. <laughs> I spent probably about one hundred and six dollars on uh, my movie theater experience at Wakanda Forever, but not not including the tickets, y'all. Uh, it was not it was it was a one time in a lifetime kind of a thing so i did it but i'm like movies gotta that's one thing that we need to talk about later economics i know they had to go up on everything but 106 dollars for some popcorn and some chicken fingers and it's not right y'all no yeah. i i 100 agree with that please do not pay over 20 dollars for your popcorn don't do that to yourself no just bring in your own microwave in your bag <laughs> <laughs> it would have been cheaper for me to buy a, a <laughs> Dollars <laughs> for, and I could have brought in my mini. You know, I got some mini uh, uh, tequila because I was like, next time, okay, for me to order a tequila shot for my mother was twenty seven bucks. I'm just saying, never again. You should have just had the little Hennessy bottles. Let's say in theme here. Next time, yes. 
<laughs> All right. So now maybe everybody's off. Hopefully that made it to get up. <laughs> so Black Panther went pretty good. Um, I saw it twice. I saw it once by myself and then a second time with Cash. Actually, I saw it yesterday. It still hits. The tears still come because um, it's just real. Um, I think some things that I really... <laughs> First of all, I, I'll start off with this because there's lots of black excellence as we sure know as we know this, but I want to capture how much I really appreciated how they really intertwined the Talokan city with mermaid um, folklore. Um, there was lots of things that I noticed with like mermaid folklore that kind of cross streamed with each other, <laughs> cross streams, uh, but like reasonably cross streamed with uh, one another. Like for example, like the singing in the sea, which is hypnotic and like a lot of folks like kind of dove into the sea. So I thought that was like really, really cool for me to see that like at the first like 30 minutes of the movie. Um, and also I'm just gonna say uh, El Nino Sin Amor. Uh, Namor, just handsome, just just a handsome man. So like I've been kind of like the whole time just not being a perv, but just being like, wow, I don't want to fold at this movie, but this man is so like attractive. So like I was just like fawning the whole time. <laughs> wow, he committed mass genocide. Yes. It's very sexy. Yes. <laughs> I, I think as much as that, I was fawning over Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, just as a the perfect specimen of humanity. Just this is what God in the DNA looks like. I just was. Um, she is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen, like just without a doubt. Just uh, so it was very hard to not like focus. I was like, where? Is, wait, where? Where is Nakia? Put her in the scene, right? Right. Like, <laughs> Sorry. She was in Haiti. She was in Haiti. So I mean, as much as we've talked uh, about Wakanda and we've talked about like the Mayans in a in our previous episodes, I don't think we really talked about uh, the importance of Haiti uh yes. in that realm and i really loved this um kind of marriage mm -hmm. after killmonger and his take from the american standpoint to now going to haiti <laughs> and their take um and seeing this real life revolution um of what it does look like for a people to say like, okay, now nah, we've really had enough and we will just eradicate all invaders. Um, no more having that kind of like theoretical battle yes. in the film and then having a real life example in the film um, added so much weight yes. for me so much historical weight that I don't think that people who like, if you don't know the history of Haiti, go look at the history of Haiti mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. then watch that film again. And then um, hopefully you will feel some of the gravitas that film has so much in it, um, scene by scene to pick apart and look at. But whew, I cried so much, I cried so much. <laughs> yeah, I like the scene where Lupita, uh, Nakia's character where when she meets with the queen um, that 
you know, just like Wakanda using its own resources to build and to keep folks out. Like in Haiti, she's like, we tell the kids to use the resources that we have to build this institution, to build this school. Um, so I just really loved how she brought what was foundational from Wakanda as her fictional character to her establishment in Haiti. And so like, I thought that was also like a beautiful connection with that, where it's like they build it from the ground up and that um, that they're using the resources around them to make something that's a little bit more beautiful. Um, and so it was really cool to see that as well, because I did keep that in my mind when I was like, wow, she's really just like sharing the wealth of knowledge, not in a way where they're giving vibranium to Haiti, but in a way that she's sharing the knowledge of like, this is what you can do to your immediate surroundings to make something that's more gravitas, more um, sustainable. Um, and so that's, that's something that I really appreciated from that. Mm-hmm. Also this, um, what is this episode, man? The generational protection yeah. between yeah. the queen and it was like, th- this is the extent that we are willing to go through to protect our children. Um, Cause we were doing spoilers. I was just like, uh, even the fact that there that the, we thought it was ended, we thought that it was just the two generations, and now there's there's more, and that in and of itself was a secret. Um, the secrets that women will carry to ensure that the next generation still makes it. Yes. Um, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, so I do. I did feel a sense of death, like obvious death and rebirth with like generational things, right? So it was even the protection of Riri Williams, where mm-hmm. she knew that Riri was a heavy asset aside from the demands that the telecon wanted, which they're like, okay, we want her dead because she has knowledge that could fuck up our shit here. And we don't want our shit to be fucked up. We work too hard on this shit. <laughs> So she needs to go away. <laughs> and um, But also, like, the sense of, like, generational build, right? Like, we lost Iron Man in the last Avengers movie. Like, yep. we're not going to get Robert Downey Jr. again as as um, Iron Man. And so since he mm-hmm. died, they brought in a new Iron Man at perfect timing during a film that was about rebirth and, yeah. ex- and keeping a legacy. And so I thought that was... Whew, heavy right there because like they said we're gonna protect this girl she has the she has the gift she has what she's able she's able to do but also to continue the iron man legacy as well even though her official superhero name is iron heart um so i thought that that was like beautiful and then same thing with uh shuri able to create another flower um another heart which also signifies a sense of rebirth from death right yeah, T'Challa died, um, which you know obviously it was in correlation with um, Chadwick Boseman uh, passing away, um, but like she was able to find a way to continue the legacy of the Black Panther through her science and her evolution and her hard work and even like going against orders, like she had to make a legacy carry through as well. Um, so I sensed a lot of rebirth, even though like, I'm sure we were all mourning in that theater, just getting like super teary eyed over the circumstances of what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. because that film, I mean, we all know it is a memorial for Chadwick Boseman. 
Like it, yes. it was a very beautifully done artistic Marvel way to honor um, Chadwick Boseman's um, uh, career and his life. Yeah, I, I, there, there are so many things to be said about that piece. I did not know Chadwick Boseman uh, personally, but he spent a great deal, had such a deep impact in uh, the DC theater scene um, because he went to college here and spent some time in, uh, in a community in a collective called Rhyme Deferred, which uh, was full of rappers. Most rappers that we know is full of um, writers, Tanahisi Coates, uh, uh, Camilla Forbes, who's the artistic director at uh, the Apollo Theater. Um, uh, a lot of different people that were in that in that space, um, including uh, Jabari, who was the drum choreographer, um, is mostly uh, a space. He holds space for a lot of us in the hip hop community. He's been um, kind of purveying the the art of African drumming um, since I've known him since he was at Howard. He's a part of a group called Human Prophets then, and uh, he he was on set. And apparently during the training was, <clears throat> I've heard Denai Guerrero say, was drumming on set during their training, was also doing a lot of other uh, drum uh, um, drumming throughout throughout the filming, um, different scenes, and that, you know, Chadwick Boseman is responsible for him even being in that film. He took a boy from D.C. and elevated him into that space. Um, and, you know, just never forgot uh, the people that were here. And I know did we lose her? Ooh, I hope not. Okay, she'll probably pop back on. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but no, <clears throat> this is it's it was very thoroughly like done. I think uh, with this film, like I, it's kind of cool to hear that Wilson Duke was part of like the music side of it. Um, but even like with Ryan Coogler, who did so much research and so much, you know, meetings with. Um, Chadwick's family and just making sure like he just got this right I think he got it right like you know um, what what's your thought I see you're, you making faces no I was just like oh they definitely got it right um, and I also we got love... you P you're good we got you P sorry, back good. okay I'm sorry I have no idea what happened that's okay we still got you <laughs> still got you right look it's not just me welcome to the club do, 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 do. Mm -hmm. but it, it was anyway I, I didn't get a chance to fully say all of that but the fact that uh, yeah Jabari has been has always been the fingerprint I think that held his legacy together here for so many people and I just you know that seeing them have a chance to have that um, here and I think one of the I if I don't know, I feel like working for an organization that prioritizes um, indigenous stories and, um, you know, kind of tries to shatter stereotypes about um, indigenous and the Latina community. I think there's so much there of, you know, this story of, of uh, Mayan and Aztec influences and the Yucatan Peninsula, all of those things for Spanish invading uh, Spanish invaded countries and, and communities um, reflecting the people and land and cultures of that 
I think was really such a special moment for Mesoamericans, um, but just for, I mean, the fact that it was from a black lens, a black storytelling lens, I think was even more popular. And I've seen Tenak uh, Huerta really talking about that, right? Like for years, Latin representation in media has been largely built by white people, mm -hmm. uh, structured to focus on white people so that he said Mexico on TV looks like it's a Scandinavian country when it is the, you know, most, one of the most diverse, uh, you know, hues of, of any Latin American um, uh, community. And so the Spanish and Mestizo uh, roots is just kind of like, how do you portray this? And so he was, he's talked about much about the, the black community it took that lens for someone to tell this story the right way. Um, the indigenous storytelling that was here the right way. And I, I um, yeah, there's an, an article I'm gonna paste into the chat from Refinery29, um, where he kind of talks about that uh, Latin uh, representation of Latin media that Wakanda Forever just did what they wouldn't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I 100% I vouch for that. And I saw another little interview, it was like, a 30 second clip but basically he was talking about how like he's like for years I was only I was acting as somebody who was poor misfortuned a criminal mm -hmm. and this is the first time I've ever gotten to be like a powerful hero like this is the first time um and yeah. so he like very much so keeps that very close to his heart because he's like I've done all these years of doing all these acting gigs and for the first time ever I get to be seen in a more powerful light than somebody yeah. who is a deep what is considered default and a stereotype of of the latin community um kyle i see you leaning in yeah well no, i just um i really loved the exploration of indigenous cultures that are still existing because there are many cultures that still exist whose policy is like no outsiders there's several tribes it's like we know we keep sending people to go say what's up and they keep sending their heads back like nah we cool we don't want <laughs> anything to do with what you are bringing over here because we've learned lessons and it's like seeing that also play out on screen and i'm hoping that it gives people um like we feel so entitled to everything in the world um, that like, okay, if, if there are communities and indigenous peoples that don't want to be exploited, who don't want to be quote unquote civilized, who don't want to be modernized, that yeah. is their rights um, yeah. and to leave them be. We are not entitled to whatever resources they have. We are not entitled to their stories. We're not entitled um, to be involved in, in what civilization they've got going on. Yeah. As I think that was another important message of the film um, yeah. But also, the representation uh, and development of Mbaku's character, just mm -hmm. the depth, the richness, the warmth of this Black man. The first movie we got straight up warrior Mbaku. This movie? Protector, big brother vibes. Yeah. like just wants to see sister thrive he was um, still not down you. with the bullshit though like when he had that counsel being like you all want more and i'm giving y'all so much <laughs> that cracks we're, me up we're never gonna be done with the bullshit but he's entitled yo he has been in the like i'm sure in his mind in the background he's been on the home front he's like yo you guys haven't come and checked out our 
our home base in the hundreds and hundreds of years and now you want to come over here oh now you want to he's valid he's right but he still showed up yep he sure did and we i'm, I'm we looking forward to seeing that young man like go grow and grow and grow we we need him as an actor out here and he gets to play marcus garvey next um and i'm like i'm looking winston forward duke. to winston duke. winston duke is such a, a gem of an actor uh yeah just i'm looking forward to seeing what's gonna happen i got some insider notes that he was performing was gonna be cast as marcus garvey and i was excited um because so, i know it's gonna be played well yeah i see mc brooks in the chat when folks whine about the lack of black male representation you can tell they're just looking to complain because mbaku was right there and he was king by the end of the film. <laughs> yep. And what what I really loved is this, um, the relationship that he formed with Shuri, right? And you can tell at a point that he's just like, okay, so what do you want? Cause like, I can offer you husbandry. I can offer you protectorship. Like, what do you want to do? Whatever you want to do, I'm down with. Like, we're ready to ride. It doesn't have to, like, a marriage proposal is not going to keep me from protecting you. A marriage proposal is not going to, or rather you you declining this proposal is not going to keep me from still providing and being there for you, which. And that's is, what it, it should be. be. Like, it wasn't like romantic. He was like, what do you need? Yeah. Like he just. That, but isn't that beautiful that there's more stories should highlight that like does it have to be you know there's so many stories it's like whenever there's uh, two people on screen that there has to be some kind of a sexual thing a romantic thing it's like sometimes people are just soulmates in other ways you know <laughs> normalize healthy you know relationships and protecting each other protecting black women not because I want to be with them but because that's just who I am yeah my brain just kind of went straight to like this marriage is a business it is a strategic plan uh, sorry I I, I I know that's not exactly what it was but it just cracks me up because like I have another friend of mine marriage is a business marriage is a strategic plan like yes let there be love but also let's not be naive like yes yes um it is that is true sorry I know folks get like all up in their all up in their shit where it's like well here's the wedding I'm like yeah but there is the marriage and Don't also die. like did you just blow like all of this money that you <laughs> put into building your marriage onto like a, a day of partying <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> sorry that noise cracks me up <laughs> alright uh, moving along to God of War uh, God of War is going great um, I am yet? no this is no. this is a this game is a full ass commitment. <laughs> I think I spent God of War, uh, the one that was before this one. I think it's four or three. I can't remember. I th I think it's four, but basically, uh, that game took me almost a whole year to to finally be a completionist about. Um, I think the last thing I didn't defeat was the last three Valkyries. And those bitches are hard. Like, they are just difficult to defeat. They are in pain. They're like, please kill us. I'm like, I'm trying to, but you're making it so hard. Uh, <laughs> so um, I know there's more, like, meaningful nuance to that. But, like, I'm just saying, like, that's what you see on the screen. Uh, but 
but yeah, that game was a whole commitment because I beat it the first time and then I went back and then tried to do God, God of War mode or God mode or something like that. And um, it, it was just really difficult to beat some of those, uh, those enemies. So now with Ragnarok, um, I'm on a balance mode because I know my bitch ass doesn't want to do, uh, you know, God mode because it's too hard and I also don't have the assets to navigate those planes yet. Um, but so far it's so good. Like you get to see little Atreus like really blossom into his, into his manhood essentially, but also try to figure out like what's the difference between fulfilling a prophecy or like making his own choices. And so those are some things that you get to see Atreus go through. I did finally meet Angra Boda. She's hilarious. She is adorable. Um, and you also get to meet Angra Boda's um, grandmother, Gryla, who's a giant. And she is like kind of like this like very menacing, um, just not, not witch doctor, but just more of like a, um, how would I put it? She's, she's someone who takes animals and steals their souls, which to me, I was just like, that was like really interesting. Um, but it's I think it's all part of the whole like Norse mythology and all that stuff so read up on it I'm still learning it as well um but yeah you get to see Atreus like really kind of fight his demons like what do I need to do so that way I fulfill my prophecy I don't serve Odin and then I also don't kill Kratos who has been incredibly like traumatic for me but I have my learned lessons and strength from him and then there's the other side where they kind of there they divided the story where you're Kratos um, you do get to fight with Atreus um, at the beginning, but then you notice a kind of a division of labor where you're now Atreus as his main protag story, and then you're now Kratos in his protag story. And then Kratos um, gets to navigate alone for a little bit. And like, of course, like lots of things from his past start to haunt him. Freya is also part of the mix as a fighting character who kind of replaces Atreus's um, character. So like now that you're fighting with Kratos and Freya. My, you know, little naive take is I can't stand Freya as a character. She's basically pulling the I'm the cool stepmom, but you know she's a toxic bitch. So like I'm just like like the whole time she's talking at Kratos, she's like airing out her grievances, airing out that Kratos doesn't know what's like to lose a child, but like Kratos had a full ass family prior to Atreus and Faye. So like Everybody in the audience who's playing this game is groaning because you're like, nope, Kratos actually had a full family and accidentally killed them. And the reason why he's so ashy and doesn't lotion himself is because he's covered in their ash. Like he's covered in his previous family's ashes. He is a human urn. That's what that man is. <laughs> wow. Um, also, like, so we talk a lot about <laughs> women and <laughs> I try not to be like an anti-woman, but like, I just do not no, like Freya. This is not, not anti-woman, but this is very much like, hey, men do have trauma and emotions and like can understand the loss of things men experience. Yeah. Men are human. She's like, you can't possibly know what it's like to lose a child because Kratos did kill her, her son, but her full adult ass son who is being trifling. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fuck around, find out. <laughs> I need to get that bald man and like put a put a like a little zigzag red on his face from that meme. Uh, 
but yeah, it's just kind of it's just kind of like awkward because then like Freya starts talking about her marriage that was bad, and she's telling it with Kratos, who is the only man in the room. Well, except for Mimir. Mimir is like you know the human fanny pack for Kratos, but like it's still awkward because she's talking at him like it's a first or like second like shitty date like you know when like people start to kind of air out their past relational relationship trauma just see like well this is where i'm coming from and then someone's like well also i i know where you're coming from because i've been there too so i feel that dynamic and i hate it because like a part of me is like they're gonna fuck and but we don't want to see it like it's it's just ugly fucking like you don't want it I just, I don't want to see, like, we're all going here like, Kratos, you deserve so much better. Please don't fuck Freya. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I know that was mostly me-centric with God of War, so thank you for listening to me, <laughs> like, vent about where I'm at right now. <laughs> uh, the game is beautiful, by the way. There's lots of really cool things that they've done to enhance the weapons for those who are really into, like, stacking benefits and stacking like um skills and stuff so you can get real creative on like what how powerful you can make kratos with his weapons like he has the shield but now there's a shield attachment and then he has his axe but there's more than just his axe like there's the handles that you can you can like kind of mess around with that also have attachments that you can add on so like you know it's a whole like beast of a system to try to figure out like what works best for you as a fighter and what also works best for the battle as well um and you get to travel to different realms now like midgard is um locked so you can't return to midgard but you can go to vanaheim and vanaheim has been really interesting because it's it's beautiful but you really can't see the things in that game where you're like oh shit that's an enemy it's hard to see so it's really really challenging and i really appreciate that because it's a little bit more immersive as a fighter um, so yeah, that's my take and I'm sure you'll hear spirits of it over the course of the week. I promise I will not make this just nerdy segment just about God of War, um, but I'm having a good time. This, this week on V plays God of War. <laughs> yep, just add, we should add that. <laughs> we should I do, I do have a little God of War icon. Maybe I can pull it up before, um. Yeah, I was supposed to stream on this channel with it, and I haven't gotten around to it. So I was thinking, like, maybe I can do, like, all the boss battles only. Um, but I haven't figured out my approach yet. We'll figure that out. Mo is in the chat. What's good, dude? Mo Mo! Hi, hi. All right. So I guess we're getting pretty close to our closing segments here. Um, how's everyone doing? Uh, we do have a big move Monday. Holy schmoly. Are you guys still with me? Hello? Yes, hello. Oh, Hi. I thought I froze. I thought- Oh no, froze. I thought you were asking how's everyone doing uh, rhetorically to the chat. <laughs> yes, uh, I see that Moa's like, God of War is definitely in my top five best games ever made. Yes, indeed. So let's go ahead and celebrate and give folks their flowers. Um, just give me a minute while I am trying to figure that out. Um, Yay! So sometimes when I look, I should really start messing with these hotkeys on OBS. These keys are so hot. They're very attractive. Yes, 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 yes. All right. So our big move Monday today is going to be, oh, wait, where's my description? Just give me a second. 
I oh I guess it's it is gone. Um, that's okay. Um, let me see. We can say yeah, we can say it while I'm trying to get it all up. So I want to give it to Clop and Clop and Pop this week. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, absolutely wonderful um, producer, artist. Um, it's very what he calls ag agnostic to genre, um, but does just really, really good work. Uh, he recently has been working on a, um, what is it called, Powers? A mixer single? Can you help me? Uh, maxi that? single. Maxi single. And then just for the grip, what is a maxi single? Um, so a maxi single uh, is something that kind of was popular in the uh, in the 90s, uh, but it's basically two uh, tracks of a A side and a B side essentially, versus more you know the format that you're more used to with the EP. Um, but when you know it's on vinyl, there's usually an A or an B side, and you know that's kind of how it got developed and. Yeah, a lot of the songs that we love became, you know, B-side hits. They were just really to be the opposite of what a lead single would be for an artist. And sometimes, you know, you turn that that sucker over, you play the other one, and you'd be like, I love the, the B-side was initially used for, like, DJs. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, sometimes it's an extended or remixed version of the lead single of the A-side. Sometimes it's a whole different song. So um, I'm excited for that for Cloud. Yeah, it's anticipated. It's called, um, oh my gosh, Doubt with uh, him and DD Sluggers. Uh, it's it's a really cool um, kind of. It's very like how would I put it? It's like ethereal, um, but not really ethereal. I say ethereal when things are just kind of like very like it kind of it grooves, but it's like a really nice like chill groove, and you're like enjoying yourself. I don't know. It's not like super hype, but just like really like mellow, but like dope. Um, but anywho, uh, yeah, like it. It's called Doubt. The official release of the song uh, will come out on December second. But right now, he does have the instrumental out on his um, on his uh, band or not Bandcamp, his SoundCloud right now. And he's starting a cassette club. So every quarter, he's gonna come out with another maxi. Um, a maxi single and he's really interested in collaborating with folks he's super nice so please just make sure you go reach out to Klopp and just like you know hit him up hit him up and see what is good and I really need to do this description justice so I'm making sure I'm trying to get this on the screen here we go there we go yes. there we go <laughs> we did it um but yeah uh, yeah, so I'm on I'm on his single. He had Nicola Whalen on his single as our as the uh, instrumentalist. Um, he is still looking for vocal and harmonies. I believe Paris was invited to collaborate on this, so it's 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 a lot of fun. I, I'm really excited for this project to come out. But yeah, he is our big move Monday. Okay, uh, anything that um, is coming up with y'all. I know we have um, some exciting news with the podcast about appearing at MAGFest officially uh, in January. So we will be doing our Pulling Up Respectfully panel. Um, super stoked about that. What, what's your guys' thoughts? I'm excited. We get to be in person together. Yeah, it's uh, it's the first time that we'll get a chance to do that in person as a as a triad. 
Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that so much. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like cosplay character or anime or even like the video game characters that come in threes. And the only thing that I can think of is like the Powerpuff Girls. Yes. Like, should we show up as the Powerpuff Girls? Well, I mean, I have my cosplay already. <laughs> what, do you? Wait, do yeah. you really? <laughs> I mean, you know, listen, Powerpuff Girls is a is a way of life. Um, yeah, I stays with a costume. Um, Wait, yeah. but which one are you? Are you? Oh, Buttercup. Uh, I've also been Bubbles. It also been. It just depends. I, I don't really have a. Um, a major, you know, it's just sort of like, uh, it depends. Oftentimes I think I get the, the buttercup because I'm a hot-headed maybe. <laughs> I thought I would oh, have no. buttercup. I'm over here like Kylie C. Fault Bubbles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, don't. I mean, you already have like the double like buns to go with it. Like you're already, you're, you are at a head start. <laughs> yes. Stay with the right buttercup stays with it. I feel like I'm I'm usually that person. Okay. That I stay with it. <laughs> I can be blossom. I can find a pink like little dress and like find a bow. Maybe I'll just talk to Twill about the bows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause Twill notoriously or not notoriously, Twill just always shows up with a bow when she's on stage. I don't know if that's her brand now, but like I remember seeing some videos with her, like big ass bow, like almost like bigger than her hair. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's awesome. Well, anything that is coming up for you guys before we kind of close out this podcast? Um, other than this, day four of Bonus Stage Ultimate 3, which is their fourth day uh, festival of different, all different types of of nerd uh based music and um i get the chance to close out tonight um at 10 p.m eastern Ooh. 7 p.m pacific time so i'm looking forward to that and uh yeah come uh spam emotes us on the twitch bonus stage band if you don't follow go to my uh twitter because i'm about to make sure i repost their stuff and uh their announcement for today but that's it that's exciting. Yeah, Josh Pendlebury is such a gem. So like, I'm glad that he's been doing this like series. And it has a chance for folks to also like kind of talk about if they are performing for MAGFest. That's all stuff that they like dropping those gems too. Yes. Yes. Um, Kylie, how you doing? Um, how you doing? <laughs> we are doing excellent. Still uh, preparing for that uh, December Yule pop up out here in mm-hmm. San City hosted by Untamed Fire, Not a Problem 831, that is my massage therapy business, will be there so you can come catch these healing hands if you are local. That's December 3rd and 4th in San City. Hit me up for more details if you'd like to know. And then me, myself, I I did say that I did have a project coming out with Klopp. Um, I'm a part of his project, so that's exciting. And then I also... Aside from doing the Lady Blurreds panel, I will be collaborating with Lord Zay on Mag Hell. Uh, so that panel. So I don't know what's in store for that, to be quite honest, but it is happening. So uh, Lord Zay and I will be uh, getting together to put on a panel. This will also be our first time meeting each other in person. So it's going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty exciting. So I'm excited. 
Um, yeah, and then Mo, if you want to hook us, hook us up sooner than later, my friend, and maybe keep your eyes out for maybe doing some giveaway items too, so some small trinkets. We'll we'll chat after the podcast. We'll chat. Anywho. Thank you so much. I think we had a pretty successful episode.